Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now with today's message. Good morning, church. I want to give a, a big thank you and hallelujah to Jason and Kayla for stepping in for us. Last notice. That was some worship this morning, and I, there's a, a couple, couple lines in some of the songs you sang about he turns the chaos into order, and that's kind of the focus this morning of what I want to talk about. Can you hear me all right? When Tim called me on Thursday and said, hey, Mike, I need you to step in on, on Sunday, you know, it's like, well, okay, I got just a few to get ready. Um, Let's, let's see what the Lord has for me. And I was reading in, in First Peter because that's where we're going to start teaching in our home fellowship. And, and uh, kind of like First Timothy and Second Timothy, First Peter, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there to the church about what we're going to have to go through. You know, uh, I hate the fact that I may step on somebody's toes today if you think that being a Christian is all about, you know, lolly candy. And I think maybe we may be going to a Yes or no? Good? How's that? Is that better? That'd be good? Okay, I hope so. Um, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are going to suffer persecution. I know as Western or American Christians, that is not what we're used to. We're used to everything being great and uh, the road is paved smooth. Bumps. Unfortunately, we're out. It's crazy. Let's uh, go for a handheld. I'm sorry. I'm just going to turn this off. Is that better? We're there. Test, test, test. Anybody there? Hello. Hello. Okay. Oh, there we go. There we go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, um, if you're a believer in Christ, we are going to suffer some persecution. And the title of my message today is, Where is Our Focus? And I, I, I really want to thank um, Sister Lori for putting this up here, because I didn't have that today. I mean, I came in just with my verses and, and the stuff that I was going to go over, and she made that for me real quickly. And that's perfect. It's perfect. So first of all, those that are here that are kind of new, you're visiting with us, uh, we just thank you so much for stopping in with us. I know there's some that are kind of traveling or you're here visiting friends, and we're so blessed that you chose Calvary Chapel Columbia to spend a Sunday with. And for all the new folks that have moved here recently, and I would like those folks to raise your hand, and I want the church to look around. I want you to look around and see how many people are relatively new in our body. Praise God. God is doing something here in Columbia. Okay, Wayne, you can put your hand in now. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's from Bakersfield, by the way, him and his wife, Jules. And the Lopez's back here are from Bakersfield. And if you didn't know by now, Lee and I are from Bakersfield. So anyway, God bless you guys. We're so glad you're here. For those of you that are uh, stopping in online with us this morning, we're just so blessed that you tuned in. 
the first thing I want to say is God is the one who calls us to live a life of holiness. And we don't know what that is unless we're in the Word of God. Amen? So we're going to do a lot of focusing on the Word today. But first, let's go to Him because that's where our strength is. Father, we come to you right now in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we just want to lay down everything that we've been dealing with, whether it's been today or yesterday or last year, 2020. Lord, we just want to lay it at your feet because we know you are worthy and you deserve all of our praise and all of our adoration because it doesn't matter what we're going through, Lord. You still deserve our praise. And so we want to lift this time up to you now. I pray that you would just refresh each and every one of us with the power of your Holy Spirit to hear you, that the Spirit would be teaching and not me. I thank you for the worship, Lord. I, I, I pray that there were hearts that came to you during worship. And so we just commit the rest of this time to you now that you would be glorified and that every one of us would be edified and built up. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you will stand with me and open up to Matthew 24, verses 1 through 8. Matthew 24, verses 1 through 8. And if you need a Bible, the lovely Brian Thacker is right here. He will gladly pass one out to you. We need a theme song while you're doing that, you know. No? Okay. 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 Remember, where is our focus? Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do, I'm sorry. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and, I, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Father, we thank you for your word, how it is a, a light and a lamp for us. And we ask, almighty God, that your word now would show us how to apply this in our daily lives as we go forward in what's happening in our world today, that we would be on focus and on mission for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Okay. So... You got to remember that the, the temple of that period of time was, was one of the most gorgeous things in the Middle East. It really was. I mean, it, it, it shone. When the, when the sun would shine on the doors of the temple, it was like a beam of light. I mean, it was gorgeous, just the workmanship. Um, yet Jesus really didn't even answer their question, did, did he? They were like, oh, Lord, look at this and look at that. And he just ignored them. Now, the mindset of a Jewish person that time, especially the men, was this. In their minds, it was where God lived. He didn't live inside of them, right? The Lord lived in a temple. 
The second thing is it was a place of national pride and beauty. Pride and beauty. It was the center of all the civil, all the religious laws, customs, and celebrations. In essence, the temple was the center and the heart of the national identity. It was their hope. It was their focus. The temple was their focus. You see, we can go into a temple. We can go into a house of worship, and we can sing, and we can read. We can hear the word. We can say the amens but still not be in relationship with the true God of heaven. Amen? And so that's why I think we really need to focus on what's important right now. See, Jesus ignored them. He ignored their fascination and the beauty because Jesus is not impressed with the outward appearance of anything, whether it's a building, whether it's a church, whether it's a person. He's never, never impressed with the outward beauty. He even said all this stuff's going to get torn down. And I want you just to think about this for a second. A quick reminder, Jesus always looks upon the heart. It's all about the heart. What is your heart about today? The outside may look good because we can all act and look religious or holy. But he doesn't care about that. It's what's on the inside. Uh, Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophecy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, it's all about the heart. In 1 Samuel 16 and 7, 1 Samuel 16 and 7, which is my wife's life verse, uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, now remember, this is, when, this is when Samuel was coming to anoint the new king of Israel, right? And he goes to Jesse's house, and he's looking at all of his sons, and some of them were good-looking and, you know, muscular, and the kind of the people we would say, oh, that's, that's king material right there, right? But none of them, none of them were king material. And why? Here's why, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man, it, that pierces me all the time, because growing up, and you've heard this before from me, it was all about checking the boxes and the do's and don'ts in church, right? So the outward appearance looked good, but I wasn't so concerned with my heart. And today, our focus, with everything that's going on in the world, and we're going to talk a lot more about that in a few minutes, with everything that's going on, we need to take our eyes off the appearance of things and truly focus on our heart and relationship with Christ. Because that's our hope right now. It's in nothing else. Amen, church? Okay, so in verse 3, uh, it says, um, We find them on, on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples ask him those three questions. When are these things going to be in the destruction of the temple? What will be the sign of your coming? And finally, what is the end of the age? Three distinct questions. A lot of teachers that I've heard make it kind of one question. They lump it all together. But there's three distinct questions there. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the signs. Now, this isn't a teaching on Bible prophecy, okay? But this is very important because we need to know the signs of what's going on in our world so we get our eyes off of ourself 
off of our jobs, off of our savings account, off of our hopes and dreams for me and my personal pleasure and focus on Christ. So according to Wikipedia, because he said, remember, in the, the, the many will come in my name deceiving many. Well, according to Wikipedia, there have been 68 world figures, and I'm talking world-known figures, 68, claiming to be the returning Christ. And there's thousands, thousands of local messiahs. So that, that's already been fulfilled. It's happening all the time. In verse 6, it says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, from 2003 to 2018 alone, there have been 96 wars, 96 wars worldwide. Just this last week, um, President Xi of China, I mean, he's been doing this for a while, but last week he actually went to the China Marines and he told them to prepare for war with Taiwan. Now, to me, that's very sobering because we've been their ally for decades. So what are we going to do? If, if they go in, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. We'll have to find out. But again, it's a rumor of war. Tensions right now between Turkey and Greece over the gas fields in the Mediterranean are at an all-time high. You know, this is a kicker, and we've talked about it before. Russia and Iran and Turkey are in Syria today. They have bases, installations. They're in Turkey today working together. Why? Well, for me, I think it's because it's getting ready for the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39 when they come into Israel. So the stage is being set, folks. There's the wars and rumors of wars. How about in verse 7? For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Well, how do you think the racial tension in America is today? What do you guys think? I mean, is it better or worse than it was 10 years ago? I think so, too. Well, the word there for nation is ethnos. So when it says nation shall rise against nation, it doesn't specifically mean a geographical country. It's ethnicity. And that's exactly what we're seeing, especially in our country today. All-time high. Famines. The World Food Program projects that 270 million people in countries around the world are going to be in need of food, which is 82% higher than it was in February at the beginning of COVID-19 uh, pandemic. 82% higher. China declared a food shortage in their own country. They put out PSAs, public service announcements, reminding the Chinese people three things. Eat everything on your plate. Of course, my mama told me that when I was growing up, right? Maybe that's why I'm a little bit heavy. I don't know. Um, so eat everything on your plate. Number two, eat smaller portions. Should have listened to mom about that too. And then number three, only eat twice a day. No more three meals a day. Just eat twice a day. That way we can serve our food. They also... Uh, three months ago, purchased the largest amount of beef, corn, wheat, and pork from the U.S. Uh, in history. One of the largest purchases of those food products because they know that they are in a, ma a massive food shortage. There's an organization called Feeding America. It's a nationwide network of over 200 food banks. And they project six to eight billion meal shortfalls in the next 12 months. Six to eight billion meal shortfalls. 
I don't know about you guys, but when's the last time I was concerned about when my next meal's coming? I mean, we live in America, right? The land of the free, home of the brave, and the huge Kroger shopping stores, right? I and mean, we get everything that we need. We don't really think about food shortages here in America, but the rest of the world does. Anyway, pestilences. Do I need to talk about pestilences right now? I think I'll skip that one. I'll leave that one for you. Yeah. Half our seats are empty right now because of pestilences. <laughs> anyway, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Uh, earthquakes and natural disasters. Well, I got a chart for you. It's, it's a pretty cool chart. Now, it talks about what has been going on since the 1970s, I believe. Now, so there's a, there's a couple years of data that's not there. And if you notice, the exponential growth from 1970 to 2019, and you can see the different types of uh, disasters that are there, exponential growth. Now, if you go back 100 years, it's even more uh, obvious. If you go back 100 years, it's pretty much almost a flat line except for a, a few of the big earthquakes or volcanoes that have popped off in the last 100 years. But since 1970, it's amazing what's going on. So again, all those things, the things that we just quickly mentioned remind us about what verse 8 says. All these things are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. How many mothers here today? Okay. Do birth pains hurt? Are they the same all the way through to the delivery? They start off small and not so bad, and typically the, the contractions are further apart, right? But what happens as it gets closer to the delivery of the baby? Stronger, closer, more pain, more screaming, right? Okay. Well, that's kind of like what the Lord was telling us. Look, you're going to see these things. They've been around. It's nothing new, right? But it's the intensity that I want you to watch for. And the intensity is what we're seeing in totality in the world today. So I want to discuss you a little bit about where we are right now in, as, as a nation in the United States. We see these things happening. As believers, I think we, we, we believe that we're living in the last days, okay? And I want to stop for a second. For those of you that don't have a, a last days uh, eschatological view, okay, are you going to die one day? The answer is yes. Every one of us are born and every one of us will die. So you are living in your last days. The day you were born, your body began to decay, and eventually you will take your last breath. So you are living in your last days. So the question is, regardless of what we see in the world, regardless of what prophecies are being fulfilled and how things are going crazy, we're going to take our last breath. And what we need to do is focus on what God called us to do, and that is to glorify him and honor him and make him known to those around us. That is our mission. So... With, without that view, okay, let's go back to what I was talking about. We know things are getting crazy in this world. Things aren't falling apart. Literally, things are falling into place because the Lord told us in his word exactly what to watch out for and what would be going on right before his return. And those things we are seeing right now on our news, and it's been happening for quite a while. So is the United States 
you're going to stay in the United States? Well, I know every one of us probably has an opinion on that, right? But I don't want to use my opinion. I want to use the Word of God. Now, when, when that war of Ezekiel 38 and 39 happens and the confederation of, of Islamic nations come in, uh, specifically Russia, Iran, Turkey, probably a little bit of Syria, Libya, right? A couple others. Who stands with Israel against the whole world? Nobody. Nobody stands with Israel. They are completely alone, which is why God himself shows up and shows himself to be the God of Israel again, right? So that says something about us as a nation. It says that we aren't going to be their ally like we've been since May 14, 1948. We've always been there. We've always been right next to them, aligned with them. So something transpires for us to move away from them. Well, it could be a number of things. One thing could be, and I'm just, I don't want to get real political, but it could be an administration that is not a friend of Israel. That's very possible. So I want you to think about these things as we, as we move on. And the point I'm making is, don't think everything's going to be the same, just like it was last year or the year before. God is doing a work in our nation. Those of you that are from outside of the state of Tennessee right now, you're here, I really believe God is doing a work by bringing you here. This is the Bible Belt, folks. Everybody's a Christian, right? You know, Papa was a Christian or a pastor, and, you know, and I, I was raised in Sunday school, but then you can't tell them apart from anybody else during the week. So, again, it's not about going to a place of worship. It's not about checking the boxes. It's about relationship. And I firmly believe, and Pastor Tim does too, and Pastor Brian, God is bringing people here to the Bible Belt to wake people up to what it means to be a believer. And I think every one of you have a part in that. I'm serious. There's something different about the folks that are coming. I mean, don't get me wrong. We love the people that are here. Okay? Don't. Please don't take that the wrong way. Okay, we love you. You're a part of our family. But you know, sometimes the Lord breathes a fresh life into something that's going on. It doesn't mean that the folks that were there already were dead. I'm not saying that at all, okay? It's just sometimes we need a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit, and that's what He's doing. So all of us can be built up, all of us can be edified to go forth and do what we're called to do. Tim talked about it last week about the, the eight core values, right? You know, we're to go, we're to grow, and we're to give. And that going part is to tell people about Jesus. Now, I'm way off my notes right now. And I think that's, oh my gosh. Um, real quickly, you're either going to be a goer or a sender. I was listening to Pastor Jack Hibbs the other night. Um, great, great, great pastor. And he said, you're either going to be a goer or a sender. What does that mean? Well, maybe you can't go, but you can help send, right? You can, you can donate to mission funds, and you can send people to bring the gospel. Or you can be a goer. There are mission fields all over Middle Tennessee right here. Uh, we have the, the Pregnancy uh, Crisis Center. We have Place of Hope. And in, the list goes on that you could be mission-oriented with those people right here in our, our own community. So you're either going to be a goer or a sender, and I think what the Lord's been doing here with bringing people in is just breathing fire into that.
So let's, uh, let's move on here because I think, I think I'm running way behind. Um, the companion verses to what we just read is Luke 21, 28. Now remember, not being a downer with all things happening, and we see the, the prophetic landscape kind of getting painted right before our eyes. The good news is in Luke 21, 28. Now when these things begin to happen, what things? The things we just talked about. Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. That, to me, it, it, it makes me feel so good because I don't want to be down on the dumps. I don't want to think, oh, the sky is falling. And I'm telling you, folks, there's a lot of people that I talk to during the week for about a month and a half now that to them the sky is falling. They were not happy with the outcome of the recent election. And they really feel that our job right now is to store up and stock up and, and get ready because it's never going to be the same. Well, you know, look up because your redemption draws nigh. We don't have a guarantee of, of an easy life as believers, do we? I mean, think about the early church. The early church, they were persecuted for their belief in Jesus. They weren't going out and, you know, trying to overthrow kings and governments and destroy cities. They were just loving Jesus. And they were just telling people, there's a way for you to have eternal life, and his name is Jesus. And they were persecuted, and they were killed. So for me, personally, what we need to be doing is remembering that no matter, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad things get, in this country or this world, if our focus is on Christ, it's going to be okay. Because the day that we take our last breath here is the first day in glory with him. And I'm telling you, what does the word say? I has not seen or ear heard what the Lord has basically prepared for you and those who love him. Could you imagine showing, take, taking your last breath here and waking up in eternity? And the beauty and the splendor. And of course, you know, I don't really have any biblical, uh, any way of biblically to say this, but I always picture in my mind that the first person we see in heaven is Jesus. With his arms outstretched, welcoming us into his kingdom. And that's just me, right? But wow, what a powerful thing to see his eyes looking right at you, welcome you in. Mm. Okay, so. Um, like most of us here, as well as most of the believers that we know about, they believe that we're in the last days. And that for those that are going to be left behind, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what they're going to be going through. And it's all dependent upon whether or not you have a personal relationship with Jesus. But for me, for most of you, I would say it's exciting times to live in. Some would say, exciting. How do you say it's exciting times? Well, it's because we know the Lord is at the door. So if we really believe that the Lord is in control and the Lord is orchestrating everything that's going on, then that poses some questions. And so I have a couple questions for you. And the first one is, as you see the day approaching, what should be your focus? What should be your focus? Well, I broke it down to two things for me personally. Remember, everything that I teach comes through me first. 
So the Lord's telling me that I need to be personally abiding in him better. Personally abiding in him better. And the second one is I need to be a watchman. A watchman for the unsaved around me. So let's go to uh, personal abiding. And I broke it down into two parts. John 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's the abiding. You see, the word abide there means to remain in a place, to tarry, to continue to be present. See, to abide in him, we must strive to stay or walk as close to the Lord as we can. It's imperative that we are near his presence. Where he goes, we go. When he stops, we stop. That's what it means to be abiding. Now, I, I liken it, and I think I've shared it before at home church. It's kind of like if you were in a, in a city visiting a friend, and you were going to go out to dinner or whatever, and he took you downtown and took you to a little you know, hole in the wall that had the best food but was not in the best part of town, right? Um, and you kind of look around, and it's kind of sketchy, and it's dark, and your friend's going, hey, just follow me. We're going over here, right? How close would you stay to your friend? You don't know the streets. You don't know what's around you, right? You're just going to wander off and try to find this little hole in the wall on your own? No. You are going to stick to your friend like glue. And that's the idea. Jesus knows the direction. He knows where he wants to lead you. You don't. You may think you know the direction he's taking you, but sometimes the Lord has a different plan. Amen? <laughs> Leah and... And my plan was to come here and to retire and to do some fishing and some traveling and some hunting. <laughs> Haven't done one of them in five years. Well, did a little traveling, a little traveling, but nothing else. You see, we have our plans, right? But he directs our steps. Amen. Okay, so stick to Jesus. When you're, when you're abiding in him, you're sticking to him. Okay. Okay, moving on here. Um, what does it look like if you're really abiding? Well, in, John, in 1 John 2, 3 and 6, 1 John 2, 3 and 6, if you're abiding, right? Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Who, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Oof, man, that hurts. But whosoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk as he walked. Now I want you to notice some of the references to the commandments and to the word. It's all about the commandments and the word of God. That's how we know we're abiding, right? So that tells me if I'm abiding, truly, I'm going to be a person of the word. A person of the word. Now, if, if we know that deceivers are among us, I mean, Jesus said, we, just, we read it just a few minutes ago, there's going to be many deceiving, right? Many people claiming they're the Christ, or I have the answer, I have the true path, follow us. Well, if we don't know the real truth, we're going to fall for a lie. So we have to be people of the word. Check out Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. 
With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The word is so, so important to be in your life all the time. Now, I, I've failed many times, folks. Trust me, right? But I'm telling you, we need to be in his word. Uh, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. It's pretty clear, folks. The word of God is what gives us our understanding and our direction, shows us what's right and wrong, what to work towards, what to stay away from. And if you want to be abiding in Christ, you need to be a, you need to be a person that's in his word. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you've got to be reading five chapters a day and, you know, highlighting and outlining and journaling. There's some people that do that. Praise God. What I am telling you is you need to get a nugget every day into you, whether it's a devotional, whether it's one chapter in the morning or in the afternoon or while you're sitting at your lunch hour, whatever it is, just allow the, the word of God to come into you. Allow the Holy Spirit to work and massage truth into your spirit. But look, we always find time for what we want, right? I always find time for what pleases me. And that's why we have to be disciplined. And I'm going to just jump into that right now, okay? Um, the second point of abiding is being people of prayer. People of prayer. Which, by the way, again, today is a day of prayer, 1.30 to 2.30. Come back, day of prayer, okay? Uh, I want you to look at Luke 11, verses 1 and 2. Now, it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he, Jesus, said to them, when you pray, now I'm going to stop right there. Jesus didn't say if you pray, did he? He said when you pray. So that tells me not only do I need to be abiding, right, being close to him, walking with him, seeking his word to give me truth, but I, I need to be praying too. I need to be a person of prayer. When you pray, look at Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. You will call upon me and go and pray. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. You see, being a person of prayer requires something of us. We need to be disciplined and we need to be intentional. Disciplined and intentional. If you ever were an athlete, whether high school or junior high or college or whatever, you know what it means to be disciplined, right? You just don't lay on the couch and eat, you know, cheese doodles and, and uh, you know, Pepsis and then decide to show up for the game and do your best, right? You have to be disciplined in preparing your body for whatever that thing is. Well, your, your walk with the Lord is the same way, folks. We have to be disciplined in what we're doing. Again, 
I always find time for the things that I want to do. And I, and, I, and I push away the things that I know I should be doing, the things that are going to feed my spirit. Remember, what you feed is going to grow, church. If you're feeding to your flesh, your flesh is going to grow. But if you're feeding to your spirit, your spirit's going to grow. And the way we feed our spirit is by being in the word and by being in prayer. Other than being disciplined, we need to be intentional. Inten- I love that word, intentional. That means that you are focused. You understand there is a requirement of you. It's not just haphazard, right? You don't flip a coin and say, will I pray today or not? Or will I read the word today or not? No, you are intentional in what you're doing. You set aside time, whether it's a few minutes in the morning or sometime during the day or again at night, but you are intentional about what you're doing. You see, the Lord desires us to pray and to seek him. He wants intimacy with you. Intimacy. Now think about it, and I'm, I'm going to use this example. Um, you ever see a, a movie or a, or a program where there's a husband sitting at the, the dinner table, and he's got the newspaper out, and the wife is, you know, dinner's over, right? And, and she's there, and she's just telling about the day and all the wonderful things that has happened in her life that day. And she's so excited just to have a conversation. And the husband's got the paper, and it's, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's a silence, right? And then the paper comes down, and he's looking at her. And she's like, did, did you hear what I said? Oh, oh sure, hon, sure. What did I say? <laughs> okay, there's a giggle, right? And the rest of you wives, you could be giggling too, okay? That's, that's what they want. They want intimacy. See, prayer is communication with the Lord. I had the wrong idea of what prayer was growing up. Man, I always felt, I mean, you got to be in this position on your knees, right, or seated. And, and you got to have your hands folded just right. And you got to have your head bowed. And you got to have your eyes closed. Because if you open your eyes, you're not really focusing on Jesus, right? Anybody ever been told that when they were a kid? So I always thought there was this, this way of I had to be in prayer. Well, does that work when you're driving to work? I hope not. You see, when you're talking to your friend or your spouse or whoever it is, family member, you're just you're talking with one another, aren't you? You're sharing what's going on. You're listening to one another. That's what prayer is. Don't make it what it's not. It's just communication with your father. And he desires so much to hear from his kids. Think about that for a minute. If you never talk to your spouse, would there be much of a relationship? No. If you never spent time with your kids, would there be much of a relationship? No. The Lord wants intimacy. He wants us to spend time with him in prayer. And that's why we need to be disciplined and intentional. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to beat you with a wet noodle because I have failed so many times in my prayer life. Uh, And it's because I had a bad view of what prayer was. Now, you know, somebody calls or or my wife will get a text, you know, or I'll get a text about somebody needs prayer, something's going on. We just stop, right, wherever we are, and we just pray. See, it doesn't have to be, you know, a 15-minute prayer, right? And it doesn't have to be in the old English language, too, by the way, okay? It could be in your language. The Lord, the Lord knows every language and every dialect because he's the one who created it. Amen? 
He just wants to hear you, okay? So uh, let's look at Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Oh, man, anxious. You talked to anybody recently who's been anxious? If you get on Facebook or any social media, there's a lot of people that are anxious right now. And, and the reason is their focus isn't on Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you straight out. Their focus is on world events. Their focus is on the right political person or party in power. Their focus is the stock market. You name it. You fill in the blank. Their focus isn't on Jesus. And they're anxious. That word anxious means to be troubled with cares. Check this out. To seek your own interests. Why are we anxious? Because our interests are what we're thinking about mostly, not somebody else's, not how we can bless another person, not what does the Lord have in store for us? What direction is the Lord sending us? We're anxious because my plan for my life is getting a little wobbly. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why there are people who are anxious. And I got to tell you guys, um, Politically, there's a lot of people that are anxious because this election did not fit in with their view of what this country needs. Now, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir and you're kind of quiet. And I know most of you. I've talked to most of you. I know what your, your leanings are. And you know what mine is, too, right? So I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? But you know what? God has ordained every authority in every nation. He puts kings in power. Sometimes Israel got good kings, and sometimes Israel got bad kings. And typically, the reason was the nation itself had lost their focus. It was on themselves and the decadence of their society and what they could build up for themselves instead of what the Lord had called them to do. So I know there's a lot of people who are anxious right now with what's going on. The answer is not in a political platform or a political party or a political figure. The answer is only found in Jesus. I, I've, I've taught it before. I used to be a Democrat when I was young, before my eyes were opened, okay? Kind of like a puppy, right? Then I became a staunch Republican. Oh, man, staunch Republican. But then I realized, you know what? My hope isn't in a party, right? Because even some of those guys, they're kind of letting us down, too, for the last few years, right? And I realize that my, my true political party is being a monarchist. And I think I've shared that with you before, right? A monarchist? What do you mean a monarchist? We're either a Democrat, an independent, or a Republican. No, I'm a monarchist. I'm waiting my soon-returning king because he is the one who has the hope for this world this nation and our city and our county. It's only Jesus. So focus on him. Because it's, it's all going to burn up anyway, folks, right? It's all going to collapse. One time or another, our hope is in Jesus. So moving on, 4.6 says, um, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your, your request known to God. In other words, he's asking you to bring it to him. 
everything. Now think about it. Is there anything you could ever do that would surprise the Lord? Is there any thought of your mind or your heart that he doesn't already know? No. What he wants is the intimacy again. He wants to be a part of your life by communicating with you. So again, I encourage you, be people that are in prayer. Um, and it says, in the peace of God. Well, and I know I've shared this before, probably a couple years ago. Um, that word is irene, peace. Anybody been to Jamaica? Nobody's been to Jamaica, man. Well, I, I went one time. And I'll tell you right now, they, they have a saying, it's ire. How you doing? Ire, man. Well, it means everything is cool. Life is good. Well, it's a derivative of that Greek word, irene, and it means a state of national tranquility. A state of national tranquility. But more importantly, in a Christian sense, the tranquil state of a believer assured of his or her salvation through Christ. And with that in mind, not fearing anything, he or she is content with whatever God brings. You see, Tim was talking about being content back in 1 Timothy, right? I think it was chapter 6, if I'm not mistaken. We're to be content wherever the Lord has put you, whether it's being abased and having nothing or abounding in Christ with everything that you need. It still comes from his provision, and we need to be content with it. Because if we're always seeking for something more, just a little bit more in my 401k or a little bit nicer truck than what I drive, the Lord tells me to be content. And if you've seen my truck, you know I'm content. Okay? It's a, it's a beater. <laughs> but it gets me to where I got to go, right? Because my focus is no longer on those types of things. It's on what he has purposed in my life. So we need to be content because then you have a state of ire. That's the peace that we need today. So when we, when we get to the point, seriously, when we get to the point where we can pray to Jesus and we say, Lord, I trust you. Now, in, in, in the Greek, that word is pistuo, and it means to put total faith and confidence in. Total faith and confidence in. Lord, I trust you no matter what comes. No matter what comes, that's when you know you're abiding. Because until then, you're always looking for something to fill that gap or that hole. And honestly, guys, you know, if you've been a Christian for a while, nothing will ever fill that gap except Jesus. Now, when we're young, oh, man, we think so many different things can fill that gap in us, right? Oh, if I just had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if I just had a husband or a wife, well, I hate to tell you, but your, your boyfriend or girlfriend or your husband or wife will still let you down because we're human. There's only one that will never let you down. There's one who will never, and I say this again, never leave you nor forsake you, and it's Jesus. Until you're completely content with him, you won't be content with anybody else. So the whole point is we need to be seeking him and praying to him and abiding in him because only Jesus brings our peace. Amen? And it, it finishes with, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. 
there in Philippians 4-7. Guard your hearts and minds. That word there means to set a guard or a military guard. To set a military guard. Now, how's your heart and your mind right now? Have you been anxious about what's transpired in 2020? Is there something going on in your life right now? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a money issue. Maybe it's a health issue. Man, pray for the body of Christ right now, guys, because there's a lot of health issues, right? But how's your heart? Are you anxious? Have you sensed a feeling of helplessness with what's going on in our country today? I mean, man, if you watch the news, you can't help but be anxious. And it doesn't matter what channel you turn on. <laughs> you, you watch the news and you think it's all falling apart. And it, and it leads to a sense of just helplessness and, and hopelessness and, honestly, depression. Do you feel that as if your mind and your, and your body and your daily life is being bombarded by the hostile forces of this world today? Well, I, I would say yes. Well, remember, if you have the peace of God, he sets a guard upon your heart and mind. You see those hostile forces? are the demonic forces of this world that are coming against you on a daily basis to break you down, to tear you down, to get you to lose hope and trust in your Savior, Jesus Christ. And, of course, those forces use the things of the world, too, to break us down. And that's why I say if, if our hope and our focus is on him, it doesn't matter what comes, guys. This whole thing could fall apart. I mean, literally, our, our nation could fall apart. Now, if that happens, where's your faith? Are you ready to chuck it? Because the Lord didn't keep us, America, home of the free and land of the brave? Well, if that's where your hope is, then I'm telling you, you need to refocus on what's important, and that's the Lord. Think of our brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted on a daily basis. They don't have hardly anything. They're wondering if they'll eat a meal. They're wondering where they're going to lay their head at night. They're wondering if they'll be arrested and put in prison and tortured. But they love Jesus. And they tell everybody they can about Jesus, right? Because they know he's real. So that kind of brings me down to my last point of what our focus should be. Be a watchman. So recap. We should be people that are abiding. We should be people that are abiding. And to be a, an abider, we should be people of the word and people of prayer. But right now, with everything going on, I really feel we need to be watchmen. And that comes from Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33, verses 1 through 7. And I'm just going to pop down to verse 6. I'll kind of paraphrase the rest. The Lord's telling when you when you set a watchman to set up on, on the ramparts, upon the wall, to be watching for the... Um, the enemy that's coming to attack, the watchman has a job. And when the watchman sees what's coming, they, bro they blow the trumpet, the shofar, to warn those that are asleep or in the camp that danger's coming. And if the watchman sees it and doesn't do anything and people lose their lives, the Lord says that he will, he will require that person's blood for those that were lost. But in verse 6 it says, But if the watchman sees the sword coming, 
and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned. The sword comes and takes a person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will acquire. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Behold, you shall hear, hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. You see, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to eternity? So three or four of you. We're going to have a great altar call this morning, folks. Okay. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Do you believe that Jesus is the only one that can save you from your sins by the finished work of the cross? Okay. Then you are called to be a watchman. You, when you walk out of your door, you are in the mission field. You have friends in your neighborhood. You have people you work around. You have people you come in contact with day in and day out. You are a watchman. You should be telling those folks when you are sitting around the, the coffee table at work or whatever or wherever it is, and you hear them just so depressed about what's going on with our country, all the negative things that they're spewing, and they're so depressed, and how is this ever going to work? We might as well just pack everything and run to the hills. That's when you need to be a watchman and warn them. Look, folks, Jesus is the answer. He loves you. He's got you in the palm of his hand if you just submit to him. Now, does that mean everything's going to be okay? No. It means that he is in control. And like I said, when we take our last breath here, we take our last breath in eternity. Well, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to skip through some other stuff here because it's almost time to go. So I want to remind you, if you really think we're living in some perilous times right now, then where's your focus? Is it on Jesus or is, is it on yourself? I hope it's on Jesus. Be people that are abiding in him, which means, again, you're reading the word and you're seeking him in prayer, and be a watchman to those around you. Because, folks, there's so many people that have no idea who Jesus even is, and we live in the Bible Belt. So be watchmen. So finally, um, I just want to read some verses. Um, I did this with our home fellowship about a month ago uh, because the Lord directed me to, because there was just some tension with folks, right? And so I want to end right now, and I'm just going to read some verses. And if you just want to close your eyes and allow the, the Spirit to just wash over you, just listen to the words. Because we live in a tough time right now, seriously. It's It's crazy. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and are troubled, though the mountains shake with its, with its swelling. Selah. He's our refuge. He's our shelter from whatever's coming. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, dismayed, before I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 31.8, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Uh, by the way, that's a different word, dismayed, there. This word means to be shattered or to be broken. 
do you sense a brokenness or a shattering in your spirit with what's been transpiring? Well, the Lord is the one who goes before you. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Man, if the Lord is with you, who can be against you? Man. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Just a, a reminder there, that word power is, it's inherent power that resides in a thing. Inherent power. Folks, there's nothing inside of me that has power apart from Jesus Christ. The power that you have to overcome anything is the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells you because you are his. Let's see here. Psalm, I'm sorry, Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Uh, and we're going to read one more, so I'm, I'm going to have the Spradleys come up if they would. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned that whatever state I am to be content, for I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everything and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that, that verse is taken out of context a lot. It has to do with persevering with what you're going through. And right now, we need perseverance. Right now, we need the Spirit of the Lord to be upon us. We need to keep our focus of what's important. Because again, we don't have a guarantee for tomorrow, folks. And then finally, Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Father, we, we come before you right now thanking you that your word is all we need to hear. You don't need an old man to speak the words. Your word itself speaks volumes. Lord, thank you that you are in control. Lord, we thank you that no matter what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears, you are the one who is directing and orchestrating everything. And so, Father, I pray for those that may be a little anxious here today, that maybe don't have a relationship with you, and their hope was or is in this world. Their hope is in their job or in their home or their finances. Lord, I pray right now that you, through your Holy Spirit, have shown them that you are the only true and living hope. Only you, Lord, are the one who has salvation. And Lord, for those that do know you and like myself, Lord, sometimes I put my hope in other things. Lord, forgive us of not having the focus that you've called us to have. And Lord, it's a new year, and we thank you for do-overs. And so, Father, help us to be more focused on what's important in life. 
to love you and to know you and to make you known to people around us. Help us to be people who abide. Help us to be people who pray. Help us to be people who tell others about you. So right now with, with every, every eye and every mind focused on the Lord with your eyes closed, if you're here today and you're not sure if you truly have a relationship with him, if you've never really been an abider with him, you've gone to church and you've done all those things growing up, but you've never had a personal abiding relationship with Jesus and you want one and you understand now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you need that it's so simple you just acknowledge in your heart and your mind that he is Lord and Savior and that you ask him to forgive you of all of your sins and the word tells us that he is faithful to cleanse you of all of your sins all not some but to cleanse you of all of your sins. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So with eyes closed, if there's anybody here right now, and, and that's you, all I want you to do is just slip your hand up. Just let me know you're here, that you realize that you've never had a personal relationship, and you want this day to be the start of a new life in Christ Jesus. Not a life in church, not a life in doing the things that you were told you had to do, but a new life with a personal relationship with the Lord. And if that's you, just slip your hand up right now. And those of you that are online, if, if that's you, let us know. Call the church. Let us know that you made a commitment for Jesus. And for the rest of us that are believers, if you realize right now that you need to refocus your mindset, that you need to put your eyes on Jesus and not of the things you've been hoping in, not in the things that you've been trusting in, and you want a refreshing right now, and you want to say, Lord, forgive me for not being the best believer that I could be last year, and I want to start afresh with you, just slip your hand up. You're already saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hands all over the room. The Lord hears that prayer. The Lord knows your heart. And I just thank you that you're willing to stand up and say, I need more of you, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for the work that you have done today. We thank you for the work of the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that from this point on, we would keep our eyes on you. That we would cast our eyes upon Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. You can hear more studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.